Do you have a tricky work problem that you need to solve? I have a great podcast recommendation for you featuring a pair of expert women. Whether you're just starting your career or a seasoned professional, check out Fixable, a podcast from TED. Hosted by Harvard professor Frances Fry and her wife, leadership coach Ann Morris, the brilliant duo provide honest, actionable advice to help you navigate everything from a gaslighting manager to returning to work after parental leave. They'll leave you feeling empowered and ready to act. Listen to Fixable wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, and welcome to the Boss Up Podcast, episode 140. I'm your host, Emily Aries, the founder and CEO of Boss Up, and I am so excited to be heading to Chicagoland, the windy city for Boss Up Bootcamp, which you can still register for. We have just a few spots left. So if you or someone you love is navigating career confusion or career transition, is trying to figure out what her game plan is for making those next steps in her life and her career a reality, don't miss out. Join me and our expert team of trainers for an intensive, intimate workshop series Saturday, July 27 and Sunday, July 28. So make sure to get all the details and snag your ticket now at bossedup.org slash bootcamp. And there you'll also find more info about our upcoming Bossed Up Bootcamp weekends in Washington, D.C. and Los Angeles. Now, today's episode is so relatable. You all are going to be nodding your heads feverishly, so get ready for it, especially if you're someone who's juggling big career ambitions with any kind of a relationship or a partnership, or even perhaps a marriage. Today's career conundrum is all about how to navigate the juggle of balancing your career, your side hustle, and your household. Take a listen. Hey, Emily. My name's Amanda. I live in Washington, D.C., and I've been a longtime listener. I started listening to you on Stuff Mom Never Told You and then followed you on to Boss Up. I have listened to every single episode. However, right now I'm a little bit behind, but I have everything in my queue to listen all the way through, and I love the work you're doing. So uh, shout out to you. Anyway, I have a conundrum. It's sort of career-related, but it's more about just living my best boss life. I'm looking to try and start expanding my independent business as a copy editor I've had one contract for a while while I've had it's as my side hustle, and I have a full-time job, and I'm really looking to dedicate more time to my side hustle so I can hopefully someday expand it into a full-on independent contractor role. However, something I'm having trouble finding balance with is that my husband, while supportive in every other way possible, is not very good at taking on emotional labor and just helping me out around the house and things of that nature. How do you learn to prioritize your job duties over everything else? How do you get okay with letting the dishes pile up as it may well be? Amanda, thank you so much for calling in with your question. I know things got cut off a little bit at the end there, folks, but I think we get the gist enough to dive into 
answering your oh-so-relatable career conundrum. So thank you for calling it in, Amanda. Joining me on the podcast today to help me break it all down is L'Oreal Thompson-Payton, a journalist turned nonprofit PR professional who's passionate about empowering, educating, and inspiring people through storytelling. In addition to her day job, she's also a blogger and a freelance writer whose work has appeared in Ebony Magazine, Britain Co., and Hello Giggles. When she's not busy writing, she also happens to be a Chicago native. So I'm especially excited to be chatting with you today, L'Oreal, as we gear up for this Chicago Boss Up Bootcamp. Thanks so much for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. So Amanda's got a big, exciting question. I don't know why I'm so giddy to tackle this, but I love that we have you on today because you're many different kinds of experience speak so directly to this conundrum that Amanda's facing. And I feel like my story really echoes her conundrum as well. But first, tell us a little bit about the perspective that you're bringing to today's conversation. Sure. Thanks. So I am by trade a journalist, spent about seven years doing that before I switched careers. My day job is a nonprofit PR. I'm the director of communications for One Goal, and we are a national college access and success organization. But by night, and my side hustle is very much freelance writing for women's lifestyle publications, as well as blogging over at my own website at ltinthecity.com. And are we celebrating my five-year wedding anniversary in November? So very much in line with Amanda's conundrum <laughs> of juggling the day job with the side hustle and marriage as well. Right. So let's dive right into this because for full disclosure, just so everyone has the scoop on this, if you've started listening to the podcast in the last few years, you might not know this about me, but I started Bossed Up as a side hustle back in 2013. And I didn't know it was going to be a side hustle until I quit my day job started Bossed Up and promptly went broke about three months later. And that entire story is spelled out in excruciating detail in my new book, Bossed Up, if you want the full story there. But for the next two years, I had political work as a digital strategist that was funding my life. And Bossed Up was very much a side hustle. And while I wasn't married at that time, now, I think we both can bring that perspective. Although, just to be clear, L'Oreal's got many more years of marriage under her belt than I do <laughs> in terms of how the hell you navigate this kind of a juggle. So let's start just with the side hustle concept first. Clearly, Amanda cares a lot about growing her copy editing side hustle work, right? her independent business, into dedicating more time so that she can go into full-time freelance copy editing what are some of the key lessons you've learned along your journey thus far about drawing healthy boundaries or making your side hustle a priority? How do you manage that? Oh Lord, that's a whole that's a <laughs> whole thing in and of itself. And I'm still learning. Like to be clear, sure. um, when people ask for a balance, it's really more of a juggling act, um, which makes me think of a woman I admire very much, Tiffany Dufu, author of Drop the Ball, and just the concept that you cannot do it all. You cannot do it all at the same time. And so, as far as it goes, and 
setting boundaries and making time. If it's not on your calendar, it's not going to happen. And I don't know about you, but I don't know me now, like post 30, I have to set aside dedicated time on my calendar, whether it's an hour a day or two hours a week, whatever that looks like and setting that appointment time and then holding yourself to it. Accountability is so huge. I have a couple of friends who are also bloggers who um, really keep me straight and keep me in line. We share our goals every month about what we want to do, what we're setting out to accomplish. And you best believe that they're in my DMs, they're in my text messages asking me about my progress on those goals. And the other thing to know when you're building is that people have to know you're for hire. So are you promoting your website with your services? It doesn't need to be this long, drawn out, extravagant thing, a simple Squarespace WordPress template will do, but they have to know that you're looking and then tell your friends and your former clients, et cetera, to help spread the word because that's really how you're going to get going to build up and get the resource down the road to delegate and then hopefully get some help. And that way you can focus on you know what Tiffany calls your highest and best use. Yes. And I love Tiffany's whole premise around drop the ball of when you proactively decide what you're going to drop the ball on, it's a very different experience than trying to juggle it all and then dropping the ball by accident. It's grounded in the research and psychology that if you prevent that feeling of overwhelm by preempting the juggle and saying, hey, I know that I cannot meet this freelance copy editing deadline and put dinner on the table tonight, or I know that I can't give 110% to my day job today and 110% to my side hustle today. It's about resetting your own expectations with yourself because it's that dissonance between expectation and reality that leads to feelings of guilt and shame and then that spiral of self-doubt and just that icky feeling of never measuring up to yourself and your own expectations. And that shit is just a motivation killer. So how do you prevent that from happening to you? Like, how do you recalibrate your expectations, especially for your side hustle? Because we all know that you could be doing more with your amazing writing and your LT in the city blog. Like, we know that had you had more time, you could be doing more. But how do you manage your own expectations in a way that is sustainable? Yeah. And I'm trying to do more. And writing this book, anyone who's listening, a literary agent, please holla at me. (laughs) Awesome. But in the meantime... (laughs) I wrote a Shine article about this and it's a tweet from Diddy. Yes, that Diddy that talks about what you say yes to or rather what you say no to. And there were three qualifications. Does it make me happy? Does it make me money or does it make me better? And if the answer to that is no, then my friend, you should not make time for it. Time is such a premium. It is not a renewable resource that is our highest, most worthy currency. And so how you choose to spend that every yes to a project, to someone else's expectations or demands is a no to yourself, to your family, to your other priorities. And it's being very disciplined about that and also unapologetic, which again, took me into my thirties to really be crystal clear on that, that when I am saying no to someone or something else, I'm saying yes to myself. And that yes is way more important. Like your yes has to mean something. If you're throwing it all around everywhere, then it becomes a bit diluted. As a result, you grow resentful and that doesn't help anybody. So being very 
stringent and strategic with your yes. And sometimes, you know, starting out, especially you may have to make some exceptions, but being clear about what those are in advance as well. Like for me, I'm all like women and girls. I make time for recent college graduates. And I know that I didn't get here on my own. So it's important for me to pay it forward. But say if it's something about like, I'm using a random example here, like the environment or I don't know, insert whatever other cause here that isn't truly my passion or my mission or my greatest and highest best use, I'm going to say no, because I want to make a meaningful yes to the projects and the people who do matter to me. And that prioritization is so hard. It does take discipline. I think, like you're saying, for me, it was about acknowledging the space-time continuum is something I could not really negotiate with. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, I cannot do those 75 things on my to-do list today, Emily. Like, what is wrong with you that you keep aspirationally You are one person. <laughs> planning, yeah. And so just resetting inner expectations can help direct your outer performance. And when I was just starting Bossed Up, I remember feeling like, oh, if only I could do this full-time. Like, oh, I would be making such better, faster, swifter progress. And then I was full-time for a little bit in the beginning. And it still leaves you wanting more time. So I think this idea of going full-time is in some ways not the golden ticket we all make it out to be. So the real challenge that I think project managers and folks who are trained in project management get so right is how to forecast your progress, how to forecast your capacity. And as long as you're improving on forecasting, the better you will become at setting yourself up for sustainable success. Being a side hustler doesn't mean never sleeping. It doesn't mean doing two full-time jobs, right? It should really mean, okay, in the beginning, yes, there are going to be sacrifices. Maybe I'm not going out with my girlfriends as often as I wanted to. Maybe there are nights when I'm burning the midnight oil, but I know that I can't keep that up every single day. So how am I going to reset my inner expectations for my side hustle or my outer expectations with my employer? Like what's room for negotiation there so that you can keep striving on the long term? And how long have you been operating as like a side hustler, L'Oreal? Oh, gosh. My very first freelance post was back in 2010. So it's been a minute. Mm. (laughs) Yeah, it's definitely been a minute. So you're nearing the decade mark, which is so exciting. What is, in your experience, key to filling your freelance pipeline, especially as the writer that you are, since Amanda can obviously probably relate as a copy editor? Like, how do you fill that freelance pipeline? And what's some advice for her to think about before throwing her hat in the ring full time? Definitely. I like to work backwards. So especially now in thinking about this potential book and reaching my target reader, I'm thinking about what are publications, magazines, websites, and blogs that they're reading and how can I align myself and pitch strategically? Because again, this is a quality, not a quantity kind of exercise. And so it's being very deliberate. Sure, there are maybe these couple of small things here and there that can, if I'm like quantity wise, try to reach like 10 stories in a month, but are they the ones that are going to put me in front of my target reader? And it's being very mindful in that way, setting your goals, making sure that they're smart goals, that they're specific, measurable, actionable, relevant, and timely, and then working backwards. And also it's quality over quantity here. So it's not just yeah. you know throwing your hat in the ring just for the sake of it, but making sure that they're aligned with your long-term goals. And if that is to become 
a full-time copy editor, then where can you go? Who can you meet that can help position you with that goal that you have in mind, whether it's on LinkedIn, Facebook groups, I feel like are heavily underrated. That's where honestly, a lot of the magic happens in the DMs as well on <laughs> other social media platforms. Yes, And I like to make my, my hit list, my target list. If I want to get into Cosmo, Glamour, et cetera, finding out who can I pitch there? Who are the people? And then just pitching and also not being afraid of rejection. I just wrote a newsletter on this that oftentimes rejection is a blessing and we should celebrate that because it means you put yourself out there. Not every pitch, not every ask you make is going to result in the yes, but it's important to kind of revel in the nose because you know what? That means that you're not playing it safe and hiding in your small corner. You're putting yourself out there. And if you can get that feedback, especially from the nose, that can help you become a better editor and make your business even better. So true. So real. Oh, you're hitting me right in the gut. I'm like, damn, am I doing quality over quantity or what? You know, I love, I love all of that advice. And I think at the end of the day, like you have been living and like you have been demonstrating, it's really about long game. It's about how can I fuel my life, my passion, my purpose, my career in the way that I want to, and not always feel inadequate or always be chasing a goal that's just for the sake of chasing a goal, right? And so I wonder what has happened in your relationship or how have you navigated, like you were saying about your Google calendar, like managing unapologetically your time with navigating all of that with a partner? Like, what does that look like? Tell us a little bit about your relationship and how it's either supported or maybe at some times competed with your side hustle. Oh, all the time. Sometimes, and my husband, I love him. I think and he really is the real MVP in this relationship. But the thing is, he knew this getting into it back when we were dating, even when we were friends, that I am unapologetically ambitious. And so that does mean that sometimes I am going to prioritize my career or this particular picture, this move before date night, honestly, sometimes. And I'm working with my therapist to um, better balance that or juggle rather and incorporate it really to take some honesty on my part. Snaps for therapy. Oh, yes to therapy. Absolutely. I don't know where (laughs) I'd be without it. But yeah, back in my bachelorette days, you know, I could stay up to two o'clock in the morning working on a story. You know, I didn't have to consider someone else's needs. And what he recognizes is that my career is important. It's not going anywhere. And that sometimes that there are sacrifices. And we found, especially in this season, he's working on his MBA. So we're both on the laptop on Sundays, you know, just hammering it out. But I had to ask for help. I had to be very honest and vulnerable. And as someone like me, who is so type A, so driven, so all about achieving and independence, like I'm an independent feminist, I can do it on my own. I had to ask for help. And that came from Mm. a place of vulnerability. And it was really hard to admit that I can't, I physically cannot go grocery shopping, meal prep and make dinner and work on my blog and do all of these things. Like I am one person, there's only so much time. And I am grateful that he is supportive and understanding and recognizes that very much a happy wife is a happy life. um, And that I am a better person and a better spouse when I am feeling fulfilled in both my career and at home. And so just getting clear on that and being like, hey, I really need you to 
Tiffany, I think, talks about so great in her book about dropping the ball. It's not just like it is delegating, but then also kind of eliminating it from your brain. So you're not just like, oh, yeah, can you help me out with laundry? And then in your mind, (laughs) it's still taking up a lot of that space because you're like, and do it this way and do it that. Like once you let it go, you got to let that shit go and understand it may not be done to your expectations, but it's still going to get done. Yeah. Let's clarify some of these terms too, because I know our caller, Amanda, used the term emotional labor in a way that has become very common to describe what is really actually the mental load, Yes, right? The mental load is all the to-do list in our heads, the kids' soccer schedule, the if I don't buy toilet paper, no one's going to notice when we're out kind of mental list tracking that so many women, like it just falls on women by default. And I honestly don't even think men are aware of it in many heterosexual relationships. Obviously, that's not what everyone's relationship looks like, even and or if they want to be in a relationship or cohabitating or whatever. But emotional labor, just to make sure this is super clear, because it has become completely confused in everyday feminist lingo, emotional labor is the exhausting practice of having to slap on a smile when you're serving coffee to someone. Emotional labor is not being able to look tired, exhausted, and annoyed when you're serving cocktails as a waitress, which I was a terrible cocktail waitress in college. Emotional labor is that exhaustion of the performative emotions to make other people comfortable with you. Mental load is holy shit. Like truly the to-do list of grocery shopping is on me now. And I want to give our listener, Amanda, some tools and some actionable practical advice about navigating those conversations you described having with your partner. Because I think there's a, a bit of a fear factor that asking for help from our partners, especially with something that we have traditionally taken on as our responsibility, can feel not only vulnerable, but kind of unexpected, right? Whether it's historical bullshit, like gender roles, which make a lot of the housework just by default fall on women's shoulders, or if it's in your particular relationship and I'd love to hear, like, how have you had those conversations with your partner? What have they looked like? What does that look like? Is there any example that you can give us for how you have their support in really carving out time for your side hustle? They look very ugly. Sometimes, you know, there's ugly tears. I think of the uh, Kim Kardashian ugly cry gif, and that has (laughs) been me on more than one occasion. Because I do try to hold it all together. I'm a big sister. And by default, I think I then try to big sister everyone else and take a lot of responsibility on my own, even when no one is asking for it. So sometimes the expectations are in our head and we're putting this pressure on ourselves. And because I am relatively public in my blog and social media, I have this, what did my therapist call it? Perfectionist anxiety, like maintaining appearances and everything has to be great. And like, you know, very picture perfect for lack of a better word. And I remember one time, um, and I was frustrated. I was at my wits end working on a story, just like juggling a whole bunch of different priorities. And my husband sat me down and told me, he was like, listen, I married you. When you walk in this door, you are not LT in the city. You are L'Oreal. You are my wife. And I am not expecting you to be this perfect wife, everything else, the like society's labels. And so my pastors shared this um, four-part, five-part question series during a date night for couples. Um, and it's called Intimate Allies. And it starts by A, asking your partner, hey, is this a good time to talk about X? 
and respecting if it's not, because I know me, I like to tackle things in the moment, but that is not how everybody operates. And um, right. more importantly, that that's okay. But you don't want to do the sneak attack with your partner. That's not cool. No one likes that. And it starts with saying that I appreciate and you list something that you do appreciate with them. It's very important to start again with the positivity and not launch right into the negative. Like you don't do X, Y, Z. Um, that's not <laughs> beneficial for either that doesn't party. doesn't work? It doesn't? No. Right. <laughs> and then you go on to say like, I'm curious. And you ask about like, why, you know, and from a place of genuine curiosity, not like a sarcastic backhanded, I'm curious why you didn't pick your socks off the floor, but genuinely asking them where they're coming from, what yeah. their thoughts are. <laughs> can, can I give you a little example of that? Because Brad yeah. and I have a very different philosophy on laundry, which is, in my opinion, laundry is not done until the laundry is folded. Mm-hmm. Brad's opinion is, why would I fold any laundry ever? Because as long as they're clean, I have no trouble living out of a pile of clean clothes. Out of the hamper. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm just like, okay. So I couldn't wrap my brain around why he wouldn't fold his clothes. And like a true rebel, Brad doesn't adhere to rules that he doesn't believe in. So he's like, well, Mm. why would I fold? Because I don't need to fold. So our new... Not new. It's not so new because I had to find my own happy acceptance there. Because <laughs> I had to ask him, like you're saying, with genuine curiosity, like, what's the deal, dude? Right. Why don't you fold any of the laundry you do? Like every time you quote unquote do our laundry, I'm frustrated because you haven't finished the job. So once it became clear that he wasn't going to fold, I could spend my entire life pestering him to believe in the theory of folding. (laughs) But my Mm -hmm. clothes need to be folded, and he does not believe his need to. So now I do laundry. I finish the job by giving him the basket full of his clean clothes that I'm not going to fold. He doesn't give a shit about whether they're folded or not, so I'm not wasting my time folding for a man who doesn't care about folding. But you better believe that my clothes are treated properly because I'm managing them. And I've delegated enormous other responsibilities to Brad to compensate for the fact that I'm basically doing our laundry all the time and, and to feel good about that. That's the thing. Marriage isn't 50-50. I don't know who made that up, but it's a lot of times 60-40, 70-30, 80-20, and it fluctuates. It changes in the season. It changes depending on what else you've got going on, other family needs. And so this myth or this perfect marriage that is 50-50 does not exist. And the sad fact is that when you ask couples how they perceive their breakdown, like if you were to name a percentage, men are likely to say that it's at 50-50 when it's more like Mm -hmm. (laughs) 30-70. And Mm -hmm. women are also like more likely to say it's 50-50 when it's still imbalanced in terms of hours in. So it it requires that kind of regular tune-up conversation, which I love the idea of starting with, is this a good time for us to check in on this? I actually included in my Mother's Day episode this concept of a housework and childcare audit. Like how do we sit down and say, I don't know if we did this purposefully, but it, it's come to my attention over the past few weeks. I've done all the pickups and drop-offs. And if I'm going to be able to make my freelance business a priority, I don't think I can do both. So what can we do to reevaluate this? And how do you feel about how this is being broken up or split up, right? 
Definitely. Yeah. And the list just goes on. It says like, I notice and focus on the facts. I want you to know where you're coming from. And it's very important to use those I statements. So it doesn't sound like you're casting blame and the person doesn't feel attacked and closing it off, like ending the conversation with I desire and share how you would like to pursue that partnership going forward, whether it's okay, shifting childcare pickup to you. And now I'm doing laundry or whatever that may look like, but being vocal and you know, really open about your needs because no one knows. Sometimes I'm guilty of it too. I try to do the, uh, like I, you should know, like, but they're not mind readers and that's unfair yeah. to expect someone to know what you need. <laughs> you have to sometimes really spell it out. Ladies, did y'all hear that? Because it takes many of us way too long to figure this out. And it's not our fault, to be fair. This is like Hollywood's fault. This is media's fault. Because in every rom-com ever, it's like, oh my God, he just finally realized what I needed and wanted and showed up as the person that I wanted him to be. Like no partner, regardless of gender identity, is a mind reader. So if you do not express and articulate clearly and maybe even on more than one occasion what your needs are, they're not going to be met by themselves. And for me, I like the I statements. The way I use them is when you don't empty the dishwasher, it makes me feel like I'm completely alone in managing this kitchen. Is that your intention? You know what I mean? Like specific actions that leave me feeling like I'm in it alone, which sometimes are met with defensiveness, like they feel under attack. But at the end of the day, it's like, listen, I know that's not your intention. So how can we rectify this? Oh, you've been putting in all this time into our lawn care that I didn't even really think about. That's a good point. You know, maybe it's a change in perspective, but it is okay to come to your partner with your feelings, just your feelings. Like those are okay. (laughs) Like it's okay to tell people that your feelings are hurt. And I think if we all use that language more often, maybe even geopolitically or in the workplace, we would, we would be in a better spot. (laughs) So I'm curious, what are the compromises you've made with yourself and with your partner and with your expectations for yourself? Like, are there times you've chosen to borrow Tiffany Dufu's language to drop the ball on some aspect of your side hustle or your day job or your, or your partnership that you can share with our listeners? All of the above. And to our earlier point about asking for help and delegating, one of the best decisions I've made so far this year is hiring on a former intern from one of my past jobs on as my social media manager and editorial assistant. I really do think about that. What is my highest and best use? And I know for me, that is writing. And it's also like, okay, what can you do that no one else can do when it comes to running your business. So it doesn't take a rocket science to schedule social media posts or upload a blog post to Squarespace. But those are the things that I got caught up on trying to create content, trying to put out a weekly newsletter. And so I had to say like, hey, and that's what brings me joy too, honestly, the writing part. And I don't really like to be in buffer scheduling tweets for the week. And I asked my wonderful, wonderful assistant, Naja, to come along and join me on the journey and paying her. That's important too. You can't just have people out here doing unpaid labor, (laughs) but ask for her help in doing that and delegating. And that has freed up so much of my time and energy and also that mental capacity. So I'm not thinking to myself in the middle of a meeting at my day job, like, oh shoot, did I schedule this? Did I do that? I know it's taken care of. And if you're not in the financial position to hire someone right now. Again, like I've been doing this since 2010. I've been in it for a minute. See if there's friends that you can trade services with who may be able to barter and 
help out that way. But you know, once you free yourself up to focus on that highest, best use and what it is that only you can do when it comes to your business, outsource the rest of that shit, girl. Like you don't need to be Wonder Woman. You don't have to be a martyr and do it all. I know. It's so much easier said than done. You're like speaking directly to me. (laughs) My little team of myself and two contractors who I work with very closely, we just did our first team evaluations, like peer evaluations. And both of them gave me feedback that was like, if we can just get you to focus on your highest and best use, and if you Mm -hmm. would just delegate more and ask for more support, I'm like, damn it. (laughs) That was so real. You know, it felt good to be called in by my team like that. But it's just a good reminder that, especially at home too, we definitely don't need to do it all at home. So if you don't like the feeling, Amanda, of dishes piling up, someone's got to do them, right? And so it either comes down to that kind of conversation with your partner, or it comes down to the reality of, okay, partner, if this isn't important enough for you to do, is it important enough for us to put into our family budget house cleaning support because delegating is not limited to our professional spheres alone. Oh yeah. We have a cleaning lady too. I forgot to mention that full disclosure and I'm not rich. Like we worked it into the budget. I work for a nonprofit. Like, let's be clear. I'm not just, you know, like making it rain over here, but it was important enough for both our sanities and the relationship to be like, Hey, let's, budget for this. And yeah, we just got there as well. And it was, we've only had it happen twice so far because I come from a working class family that would never hire any kind of domestic support. And it's like, again, we're not rich, but it's like, it's so worth it. And I remember I read an article, the the subject line or the headline was so funny. It made me like immediately remember to book our cleaner, which was, you want to have a happier life? Hire a cleaner. (laughs) Like hire someone and and granted, to be fair, like to look at the feminist economics of this, those folks don't get paid enough either. So tip your home supporters well, just like we tip our hotel folks who clean your hotel every day. But it is all a negotiation. It's a negotiation with your calendar. It's a negotiation with your partner. It's a negotiation with your budget and a negotiation with how are you feeling about your business. If you don't have enough time to devote to your side hustle, bring that concern to the family table, right? Bring that concern to your partner and say, I really feel like this is going to make me feel like I'm being held back. And when I when I first got together with Brad, we made it very clear to each other, and we've been together now for seven years or so. You know, I said to him, I cannot have my wings clipped. Yes. <laughs> I cannot be with someone Girl, who's going to clip my wings. Yes. <laughs> and he similarly at times had to make it clear to me that for him, it feels like I hated the pressure of being called home for dinner or called home from the office when I am I am busting my ass to like build my craft. And Brad takes such pride in his work. He builds custom cabinets as a digital fabricator for this like local building company. And he does not want to be rushed either. He doesn't want to ever be made to feel guilty for the time he devotes to his career. The real question comes with like every feminist household, what the hell happens when you throw a kid into the mix? (laughs) That's when things go to shit, apparently. To be continued. (laughs) Yeah, definitely another episode on that. But, you know, just being able to dictate to one another or to describe rather to one another the specific behaviors that make you feel like you're being, like your wings are being clipped. And sometimes finding that partner takes time, 
or navigating those, uh, I think my therapist friends call it like stretches. Like how can I stretch for you and how can you stretch for me? And if someone is unwilling to express empathy and stretch at all for their partner when their partner is saying it hurts me when this happens, I feel neglected when, I feel like my wings are clipped when, then that might not be the right relationship to invest in. Yeah. Right? Got bigger issues then. Right. Exactly. That's a whole other conversation. <laughs> but hashtag therapy for the win. So if it really comes down to it, and not even if it comes down to it, therapy is great. So you don't need to navigate these conversations alone. You can always seek out the support, but damn, it's such a refreshing reminder to talk to you, L'Oreal, and realize all of us are navigating multiple professional ambitions while navigating personal lives as well, and that it's not easy. And especially shout out to my single ladies listening to this. I'm going to drop a link in today's show notes to another episode I've done on sort of being a single woman and navigating work-life balance, because in some ways... Folks like us in relationships have hidden privilege. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Right? For sure. Double income, all those different. Totally. Pooling resources to hire that help at home is definitely handier. So what are your final words of advice to Amanda or anyone who's listening and wondering how to make it all work, how to pursue that side hustle without losing her mind or losing her or burning out really and navigating a relationship at the same time? Yeah. You have to put yourself on the top of your to-do list, period. At work, at home, your side hustle. If you are not taking care of yourself and whatever that looks like for you, for me, it's therapy, it's church, it's yoga, it's dancing. It's honestly sometimes binge watching Real Housewives of Atlanta. Self-care comes in many forms. (laughs) But if you are not taking care of yourself and pouring into yourself, Girl, you have nothing left to pour into anyone else, into any of your projects, into anything else that you might want to do. And it has taken me so long to recognize that and to prioritize that and to be unapologetic in doing that. But really, you are just a better person, friend, partner, etc. when you carve out that time for yourself. And um, I just want to be perfectly honest and recognizing to your point, the privilege that I do have by the day job that is, you know, fairly well-paying, having a partner and having help, like being able to hire help both domestically and professionally. And sometimes we don't talk about that because it's not (laughs) a thing (laughs) or it's taboo and there's this shame, but there is no shame. I've worked very hard. And so I want to be very honest and forthcoming with other women who see me and are like, oh my gosh, she's doing it all. I'm doing it all with help on many different fronts. And also a reminder, that's why we have, that's why we got to earn more. That's why we got to charge more because you're not just charging for your hours. You're charging for your expertise. And so maybe, Amanda, it's time to look at your copy editing rates and raise them so that you can afford the support. Know your worth and add tax. Yeah. (laughs) I know. It's like my feminism always butts up against capitalism in this way. Mm -hmm. And there Mm -hmm. are so many shortcomings to the overall systems of oppression that we're under and that we're operating in. I have to say, L'Oreal, I really appreciate your honesty and just candor with today's conversation because Amanda and everyone listening, we are all just figuring it out, right? (laughs) We're all just trying to figure it out. Every day. (laughs) Every day. So Make sure to check out LT in the city. We will drop all those links to all of your lovely online homes in today's show notes. And shout out to whoever you have managing your 
Twitter feed because I'm a big fan of it. Thank you. Thank you very much. Nadja is the best. I love her dearly. (laughs) I love it. Well, L'Oreal, thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. I appreciate all that you do as well and having the hard, tough conversations. Just appreciate you. Learn more about L'Oreal and find all of today's links and show notes in today's corresponding blog post at bossedup.org slash episode 140. And now it's time for this week's Boss Move Moment of the Week. Hi, my name is Kaylee and I'm from Atlanta. Over the past few months, I've been feeling sort of unfulfilled at work and kind of like I'm not reaching my full potential. There's a lot of stuff that I am learning how to do, but not really getting the experience I need to actually learn how to do it and to do it well. So I've been feeling pretty frustrated about that, but I was at a conference earlier this year and ended up handing out my business card to a few people, and I connected with someone who hired me to help them run some paid media. I didn't have a whole lot of experience with it, so I was pretty nervous. I was still learning, but it was something that I really wanted to do, and we both kind of took a leap of faith, and I'm really excited to say that it's been going really, really well. It's been a very steep learning curve uh, with a lot of challenges and a lot of um, unexpected curveballs, but I'm really proud to say that I've kind of taken each one as it comes and been able to like overcome it and to come out better on the other side. So I'm really proud of myself for creating this opportunity that I wasn't finding at work and putting myself out there, networking at a conference and learning something new and getting better at it every day. Yes, boss, we are cheering you on and I can't Thank you enough for calling in with your come up story. You never know who you're inspiring to make big boss moves in their life when you call in and share yours. So if you've got a boss move that you want to share, something you're feeling proud of, especially as we round out this halfway point of the year, like tell me what you're proudest of doing or achieving or learning this year thus far. Call it in on the Bossed Up podcast hotline right now at 910-668-BOSS or 2677. You can also leave me your career conundrums there to be tackled on a future episode too. And I cannot wait to hear from you. I also can't wait to hear what you think about today's discussion. I know we covered a lot of sensitive, frankly, topics around love and work and side hustles and work-life balance, whatever the hell that is. So hit me up on social media or at the Bossed Up blog to tell me what you think and make sure to follow L'Oreal Thompson Payton for all of her good work that she's up to on the interwebs at LT in the city. I cannot wait to hear what you think of today's episode online, on the Bossed Up blog, in my inbox, or in person at Bossed Up Bootcamp. I can't wait to see you there. In the meantime, share this episode with the women in your world who you think could relate And together, let's keep bossing in pursuit of our purpose and lift as we climb. Let's face it, speaking up at work can be really hard to do, especially for women and women of color. When the stakes are high and you've already worked so hard to just be the only woman in the room and you want to get everything right, you want to have all your facts and figures accurate before making your voice heard, it's just so much easier to stay silent instead. Researcher Deb Chahansky calls this loss of voice phenomenon. And 
it actually emerges in adolescent women at greater rates than men. And it sticks with us for the rest of our lives. Self-silencing behavior can actually become an unconscious habit unless we consciously engage in practicing our assertive communication skills. And we here at Bossed Up have set out to help women like you do just that. Speak Up, my live assertive communication course is back open for enrollment, and we're kicking off a new cohort launching this June. Over the course of eight life-changing weeks, you'll have access to interactive online curriculum and live weekly practice sessions where you, Irene and I, and a cohort of fellow Speak Up bosses who are owning their voice, overcoming the social messages that have taught us to keep silent, and really learning to strategically and assertively communicate when it matters most, we'll actually have the practice time to rewire our brains, create new neural pathways, and build better habits when it comes to speaking up with confidence and precision and assertively communicating in the workplace. Learn more and enroll today to secure your spot at bossedup.org speakup. That's bossedup.org speakup.